0: To the gym podcast, uncut, unfiltered, unreal. Welcome everyone to the gym podcast. Welcome back, folks. Joining me, as always, this week is the one, the only,
1: Randy Darsh. Hello, everybody. Glad to be back. I had a nice little bye week. It's very fun to watch college football during your team's bye week because then you can just like you have no stress, no pressure. You just watch your team, watch other teams play, and it's just so nice.
0: That sounds so much nicer than being outside in the dark for four hours when it's cold, watching your team get robbed, robbed on national television. Um, but I have to
1: admit that that missed DPI call was really bad. Um, we'll, we'll go into that a little bit later. I think what we should start with is the morning games, which is where Kansas defeated number six, Oklahoma, 38 to 33. How
0: bad is this loss? And can Oklahoma still make the playoffs? So I, this, here's the thing, right? There's like a duality to it. Cause on one hand, like it's, it's hard to admit, but Kansas is like kind of a good football team this year and losing to them. Isn't the worst thing in the world, uh, especially a close game like this. Uh, on the other hand, it is Kansas. You know what I mean. So it's 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 a weird it's a weird thing. Like I'm sure if I was an Oklahoma fan, I would be extremely humiliated right now. Uh, but that said, I don't think they're quite eliminated from the playoffs just yet. What do you think?
1: Definitely not. I think for pretty much every one last team at this point, it's win and you're in because there's been enough cannibalization at this point that all yeah. you need to do is win and you're good especially with Oklahoma cuz they're going to have like the Big 12 championship game if they can beat Texas again that's definitely going right. to say something
0: and there's a good chance i mean Kansas is, might finish the season ranked like honestly at this point um which is which is nuts but losing to a a team like that on the road halfway through the year is not unheard of in this game right even with good teams so yeah, Oklahoma, they just got to rebase and just, just try to win out. Just just aim to win out and let the cards fall into place where they land.
1: I think my favorite stat I'm looking at this game, there was one, two, three, four, five two-point conversions failed in a row by
0: both teams, which oh is my hilarious. God. It was it one of those cases where it was just like uh, the, the, it made sense to go for two every time? But yes, was, yeah. every single
1: time it made sense because Kansas scored a touchdown. They're up by five. Well, let's go ahead and make it seven, right? Right. Okay, they didn't get it. Now Oklahoma, they scored a touchdown. They're up by one. Well, let's go for two to be up by three. Right. Didn't get it. Kansas scores again. They're up by five. Let's go for two to make it seven and then so on and yeah, so yeah. forth. Literally just trading that situation back and forth. It That's
0: was pretty funny. funny. Well, it makes you wonder, like, if, if Oklahoma had gotten these two-point conversions, it might be a different ballgame at the end in this close of a game. But just wild. Good yeah, I think for... they were pretty close yeah. to getting in the field goal range, so who knows? Good for Kansas. I just want to say, shouts out to Lance Leopold, the Kansas football head coach, uh, former Wisconsin Whitewater coach, as you know. He won several national championships uh, in D3 football for Wisconsin Whitewater. And it turns out is a really good coach. I mean, all things considered, the turnaround of Kansas has been – incredible oh, you know what i mean like I, they, they were, were the
1: worst program yeah. the the worst program with the worst support and he's like got yeah. them in a couple of
0: years like getting them ranked getting them yeah. college game day and quickly go,
1: starting the season six and oh
0: so i don't know kansas i mean honestly with like the big 12 having oklahoma and texas leave i think they're going to be in a really good position to be one of the top dogs in the conference which is unfathomable to think about three years ago <laughs> so exactly good for them
1: all right. Next up, we have Georgia Tech shocks number seventeen. North Carolina
0: forty six to forty two. Is Mac Brown checked out? I think so. I think the team's checked out. I think Drake May is checked out. Looking forward to the draft. Um, obviously eliminated from all playoff hopes. Probably eliminated from New York Six hopes at this point. Uh, yeah, it's it's honestly kind of sad to see their downfall in some ways. It kind of is, but it's also extremely expected.
1: This has really been the story for North Carolina under Mac Brown. Mm-hmm. I think with Mac Brown, I think it's a situation of this is almost like a retirement job for him in a yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. He's 72 years old. I think he's perfectly happy. Like, Coaching up some players, sending dudes to the NFL, yeah. having a decent program. Like he's not going to put in the extra probably well, 10 to 15 hours a right. week that you're going to need to really take it to the next level. And he's
0: fine with that. Well, he's already won a national title. He's, always, he's already going to be the Hall of Fame coach, right? He's he, His legacy is not tarnished by going 6-2 at North Carolina, <laughs> in my mind, right? So Exactly. I could definitely see that. Uh
1: next up we have Arizona upsets number eleven, Oregon State, twenty-seven to
0: twenty-three. Will the Pac-Twelve cannibalize itself out of playoff contention? It's sort of tough to say. I think at this point, really all that's left is officially Washington and Oregon. Um Oregon obviously being much closer to being cannibalized than Washington. But I don't know, like so far it's it this is kind of going as we expected earlier on in the year, right? Where like the Pac-Twelve has enough decent teams to upset each other that, you know. A lot of these kind of Cinderella story-like teams like Oregon State were eventually going to fall off. So I don't know. I think Washington and Oregon are really their only hopes at this point. So, yeah. So here's the, thing,
1: here's the thing about Washington is that they've had you now two games in a row after that Oregon game yeah. where they have just played horribly against very bad competition. They have, yeah. And I'm looking at their upcoming schedule. Do I go ahead and give my lock of the week? Is
0: that, should I go ahead and do I'll, it? I'll let you do it now ball. if you want. I'll let you do it now.
1: <laughs> My lock of the week, Washington is at USC. USC wins that game. Um,
0: I, I could see it, actually. I could see at it. At USC.
1: Then they play Utah. They're probably looking ahead to Utah. Then they yeah. play at Oregon State. And then they play Washington State, who is still okay. Yeah. So they have a very tough schedule coming up. And you have to remember with the Oregon game, they... Oregon won in pretty much every single category except fourth down conversions, obviously, which ended up losing them the game, right? Right, right. So, and they also almost lost to Arizona, who is decent. So, Washington's been, I don't want to call them fool's gold, but they've had a lot of lucky breaks to be in the position they're in. And now yeah. their schedule is extremely backloaded. With yeah. Oregon, I really like their schedule coming up. They still play USC at home, they play Oregon State at home, and then they have Cal at Arizona State. I think, I don't think they're going to cannibalize themselves out of contention because I think Oregon's going to
0: be the team that comes out on top. And I have been saying that.
1: Yeah. Um, but, no, so I, that's what
0: I think is going to happen. I totally agree. Oregon has the advantage of having, the, of their four final games this year, uh, three of them are at home. And their one game on the road is at Arizona State. And Arizona State is one of the few kind of genuinely bad Pac-12 teams this year. <laughs> so um, yeah. I think Oregon definitely can win out. I think it's it's going to come down to, I could definitely see a situation still where, you know, we have a one-loss Oregon versus a one-loss probably Washington in the Pac-12 championship. And I, I would just assume at that point the winner gets like the three or four seed in the playoffs. So... Here's the
1: thing. If USC beats Washington, they're going to go to the Pac-12 championship. Oh, you're right.
0: I forgot that USC, one of the losses was out of conference to Notre Dame. Yep. That would potentially screw things up, which is crazy to think about. Um, I just it, think Oregon has like the way that
1: the way the Oregon team is built just makes me believe that they
0: really have a real shot. Oh, for sure! Like they have a lot of talent. I, I, that that team, Mario Cristobal, everyone hates him, but he he got some some really good players to go over there. Um, not that Washington isn't talented, but Oregon I think has the potential potential to compete with just about anyone in the nation. So I like their odds down the stretch. All right.
1: So now we're gonna move on to. Uh... The real game of the week that I think was the game of the week for a lot of people. Yep. Th- I love. I'm reading the document. I love this. Number three, <laughs> Ohio State robs Wisconsin 24 to 10. How fraudulent are the Buckeyes?
0: Um. Quite. So here's the thing. Here's here's I I have been meaning to go off on Ohio State all week. Um, the thing with Iowa State is really their entire team begins and ends with Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, I think he accounted for like. 150 yards or something in that game and the rest of the team had like 80 yards um him and their running back quite can't remember quite the name of right now um Henderson Henderson right and he was good to be fair but their, their offensive line is insane as well um but no like it, really what what to, to beat Ohio State you just need like one really 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 talented lockdown safety Right. Some some cornerback or someone who's going to be able to go toe-for-toe toe with Marvin Harrison Jr. And I get that there aren't a lot of guys like that in the league, but I guarantee you Michigan has a guy. I guarantee you Georgia has a guy. Alabama probably has a guy, right? You, you can kind of go down the list of top 10 teams. Uh, every elite team in college football is going to have at least one guy who can shut down Marvin Harrison Jr. And when you do that, when he is shut I'll down... I I I'm just saying, like they really have no one else on on at least as far as receivers go, that are going to make noise. Um, so in, in that regard, I, I see them as as very fraudulent in that they're one dimensional, and eventually they're going to play a team talented enough to exploit this.
1: I completely see what you're saying. To be honest, I don't even know if that a are one dimensional per se. It's just that that quarterback play was very. He was not good to me. I think he. Yeah, I think he got was it two picks or three picks? you got on him. He on had. Him? Um, Two, I
0: think it was two picks and a fumble.
1: Um Exactly. Yeah. No,
0: McCord. Honestly, dude, no, I could see a good team very much taking advantage of that. McCord genuinely might be like the least talented Ohio State quarterback I've ever seen since I started watching college football seriously. Like, like no joke, he was probably the least mobile quarterback I've I've seen in years play at camp Randall. Like the, the And main... that was one thing I yeah. noticed about Wisconsin. That yeah.
1: was I noticed how immobile he was, and I noticed that Wisconsin's defensive line was not getting any pressure. Because yeah. I really chalked that game up that there's two things about Wisconsin that I really noticed that need to improve to take kind of the next step. Yeah. And that's defensive line and receivers. Mm-hmm. If you were able to like, other teams, Michigan's going to get pressure on this guy. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: line. yeah. Well, and that's the thing, Randy. We, we, we definitely had... He had clean pockets, and he was still making all these Exactly, because the handful of times there were, there was pressure. We did run a, a few blitzes. There were a couple of times where he was kind of forced to make, you know, a, a difficult throw, quote-unquote, at least for his standards, right? And twice in this game, twice, you can go back and rewind it, Ohio State was in field goal position, like around the 35-yard like the line or so, and twice in the game... He, like, had such a terrible throwaway ball when he had, like, some pressure on a third down. Grounding. Had grounding twice. It's like a 15-yard penalty whatever, right? And it knocked him out of field goal range. And I get it. They won by 14. But, like, in a a close game, like in Michigan or something, right? Georgia in the playoffs. I don't know. You you can't get away with that. Like, you need to, at a minimum, (laughs) like, not have a grounding penalty, right? Uh, But, no, Kyle McCord did not impress me one bit. I, I I genuinely have seen better G5 quarterbacks. That's not a joke. That's not hyperbole. There are more talented G5 quarterbacks out there doing a lot more, a lot less.
1: I will say there was I – I do want to bring up the the very badly missed DPI. That did kind of screw you guys when it was still a seven-point game and yeah. it was on a third crucial third down late in the game. And I just completely missed the DPI. I think the way Big Ten refs call Big Ten games genuinely hurts Ohio State in the postseason. It's true. Because no other conference's refs really call games the way they do. So, for example, in the SEC – they very much value offense when refereeing. They almost never call holding, mm-hmm. yet they will always call the most tiki tack uh, PI penalties on the defense. Right. This is these are both very favorable for the offenses. Mm-hmm. It's the exact opposite in the Big Ten, where they call almost every holding they can and they basically never call DPI. So it very much favors defenses and hinders offenses so bad that mm-hmm. like Yeah. I feel like in the playoffs, the refs almost all are kind of more similar. They call the games more similarly to how SEC refs call the games. No, I, I, totally I think that agree. actually does
0: hurt them. It does. It does. Because these Ohio State, you know, like their cornerbacks are going to get to, you know, the playoffs. And, and suddenly it's an entirely different ballgame. And the things they could get away with, they can't anymore. Right.
1: Well, it hurts their defense more than anything because yeah. you know, these playoff games, they get scored on big time. Yes. They're, they're so used to these offenses that they play being happy, and they're able to kind of play around it, out-talent their way around the kind of different way that mm-hmm. it's called. Mm-hmm. But these offenses that are kind of used to this, or yeah. rather, they they can actually take advantage of some, some of the ways these games are going to be called in the playoffs.
0: Exactly. You brought up a good point, and we were talking about this after the game on Saturday. It's like how Purdue... Like, can get away with charges all the time and call it basketball, <laughs> and then they go to the tournament and lose in the first round to a 16 seed. It's like, <laughs>
1: and that was the thing with Zach Eady with Purdue basketball. Yeah, was the Big Ten, the Big Ten conference refs would call every little tic tac call against mm-hmm. Zach Eady on Zach Eady. Yeah, but then as soon as they get to the NCAA tournament, it's a completely different refing crew, and they uh, let them play a little bit more. So he kept getting basically clobbered, not even clobbered, it was just. They weren't giving him
0: free calls. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, he'd be called for a charge when, like, normally he wouldn't or something like that, right? So, I, I don't know, man. Like, it, it, it sucks. I hate Ohio State. Um, I just, just one quick tidbit about this game I wanted to say. Um, there was an Ohio State fan, I'm, I'm actually hesitant to say fan, uh, a T shirt fan, uh, two rows ahead of me, who I'm, I'm fairly certain was either on or doing drugs mid game. And was talking about how his 18 year old kid already has two kids, and how he's a great, a, a proud grandparent. And I'm just, you know, it, I I just think that that sums up the fan base, honestly. Like for being real <laughs> for a moment. Um, they, they, what kind of
1: like? How did you know he was doing drugs? There like, was what, what there were of... these
0: smells uh, coming from there, which I could only describe as I haven't smelled anything like it since like like was chemistry. It like a strong chemical
1: it, smell. It, like, it's, it's,
0: it's, it's, it smelled like a chemical. Almost like experiment. chemical metallic. Yeah, yeah, I would, and his skin was yeah. very leathery. He was frail, like kind of skinny. You know, I, I don't, uh, I don't know my drugs enough. I don't know. I honestly don't know enough to, to say. Did which Did he kind of talk
1: like Boomhauer from King uh, of the Hill?
0: A little bit. He was very fast, very, very like, yeah. Which I guess Boomhauer is too, right? Kind of like the really fast talking like this sort of thing, right? You you talk, talk, talk really fast like this. And I'll, I'll say this, Randy. Oh, I, I realized at the game. All right, Ohio State fans, they have to have like a monopoly on, like, t-shirt fandom in the Midwest. Like, that's the only way I can describe them. Like, they have just the most casual, the most casual fans you'll find um, in probably all of the Big Ten territory, I would say. Uh, And I, I know this because despite there being so many Ohio State fans at Camp Randall on Saturday night, it just, it felt like there was no presence. Okay, so like when we play Iowa or, or Minnesota, I hate these teams, right? Like I got to give them credit. Or if we play Nebraska, right? Their fans are making noise when we're on offense, right? They're like cheering when like a big play happens. Like it's, it's, it's very noticeable when Iowa fans are in the building. And it, it, annoys, it annoys me, right? But it's like these Ohio State fans, it's, it's like, I don't know. Like they weren't cocky enough. Does that make any sense? It, it, it was really. It was. Really I know what weird. you mean.
1: I get what you mean. They're too casual about it. They're, they're almost too casual. Like Georgia fans. Yeah. About how like they take they take their approach to the game too casually. I they understand take it for we're granted. just fans. We're not players, right? Right. But I think it's kind it, of just representative a little bit.
0: They take it for granted. They just assume that a, a, they can go anywhere and they'll beat anyone by a, a bajillion points, right? It's just, they're so used to winning um, that I imagine it, it, it really just means less overall. Right. And there's a there's
1: a very fine line between act like you've been there before mm-hmm. and just straight up not appreciating your wins. Oh, no, they don't like appreciate at all. Fine line no,
0: I think that's exactly the thing, Randy. Like you can tell you can tell they just don't they don't know what it's like to lose. They they like Ohio State really, I mean, has never had I don't think they've ever had a losing season. Am I wrong in, in saying this? I don't think Ohio I, State has literally I actually think that's
1: correct. I think that's actually like a real statistic. Ever had ever had a season. Lose.
0: And they probably never will. Um and it, it shows. It it really shows. And it hurts. It I I hate them. I really honest to God hate them so much. So that's my take. That's my take.
1: <laughs> no, I understand that. Um. So we're gonna move on to this was their Super Bowl award. Are I you do you wanna go first? I see in the document yeah. here you've already
0: chosen the one I wanted to. Oh uh, no. To choose. Well, I'll say this. It wasn't the Super Bowl for the fans, but for the team, I'll say. <sighs> Every week kind of feels in some way like Ohio State's Bowl, in the sense of like, I, I, it's going to come crashing down, right? Like I think that Ohio State walks away from these games, like thinking way, way, way too high of themselves. When in reality uh, against us, against Notre, against Notre Dame earlier this year, against Penn state, against Indiana, if you recall in week one, they've, they've put themselves in so many positions to lose a game and yet they come away with it, um, generally with just a little bit of luck just kind of out-talenting opponents in the fourth quarter right and they treat it like it's this just incredible like god-given win like somehow like they're they're fighting against the odds you know another tough week you know we we really found a way Have to dig deeper it's just it's just not true it's just not true like it's just ah you know what i mean man you know what i mean man? no i i completely know what you
1: mean I had a couple of options for who I wanted to give this to, but I think I'm gonna settle on giving my this was their Super Bowl award to Penn State wow. for barely squeaking by Indiana. Yeah, a game that they were I think they were tied with like 30 seconds left or something, and eventually pulled away. Yeah, they pulled on, away like
0: a, much closer than the score indicates. I would say for that game.
1: Uh-huh. I genuinely think Drew Aller might be the worst Power Five quarterback I've ever watched. No way. He is he is really bad. And the, here's the thing, I don't understand what Penn State is because like I look if you look at the stats on paper, 20 yeah. 31, to 31, 210 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. The worst. That doesn't paint the picture of how he actually looks. It's it's hard to explain. They're just not a good team and they I was watching this game on TV yeah. and they were they played jump around Jimbo uh, okay. I don't know how to you how know how it to makes me feel Set it up they played jump around <laughs> and they were hyped for it because it they were so happy to finally be beating Indiana
0: no that see that that pisses me off when like a team I, I'm telling you dude like when Wisconsin barely beats a bad team like that, I as a fan am embarrassed. I'm not happy and I to see Penn State fans celebrating like a Super Bowl against two and six Indiana. Yeah, I, I I'm with you, Randy. That's a good pick for this week. And I know
1: we sound like a bunch of hypocrites because we bring up these points of like you need to enjoy the win
0: <laughs> versus a bad team.
1: It's a difference. versus giving out this award. Like yeah. there's such a fine, it's a vibe, man. It is, it's a, a vibe. It is between. a vibe. It is a vibe between celebrating like you won the Super Bowl and enjoying the win and making sure you don't like embarrass yourself because we're so happy we beat a one in 16 versus right, right. I'm happy to get
0: the win. No, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, Penn State, it's, it's hard to make heads or tails. I'll say this. I, I think their fan base overall is more legit than like Michigan or Ohio State. It's kind of a vibe. You have to trust me on this I one. Do.
1: I do. I agree with you. They don't have as many. They have a lot of t-shirt fans, but they mm-hmm. they're like invested t-shirt. Fans.
0: They're inv- They are invested t-shirt fans. Yeah, and they at it, least own a jacket too. Penn State's kind of in that weird spot. They're kind of like how the Packers were in those glory years with Aaron Rodgers. Were like, they're they're pretty good. Like they're 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 generally pretty good, but rarely are they great enough to like really warrant bandwagoning. You know what I mean? They always kind of, They always find yeah, a way to disappoint, no despite thing. despite being quite talented. And I feel like
1: fans of these kinds of teams, fans of teams like Ohio State and Georgia, here's
0: one thing I noticed that
1: happens when they win a game is that they treat the win like they don't even care that they won while simultaneously finding a bunch of random crap to nitpick. Well, we could have done XYZ better, to be honest. Uh, We'll need to versus Alabama or whoever else in the college football playoff. And like some kind of attempt to sound like they're giving you know some kind of coach speak about dude, you got to always. Agree. I, I, I hate it. Even though it's it. like oh, a 59 to zero beat I, down, and it's like I'm and what, no, no, listen. While they do that, while they do that, yeah. they still completely miss the parts of the game that they should actually yes. be worried about and actually be paying attention no, to. No, because they think be n- taking a random second down in the third quarter where they didn't execute correctly is what Saban would do. Yes, and they'll say, "Oh
0: no, I'm just actually emulating Kirby because he's my coach, Ryan Day because he would do that." But no, oh, we know what they're copying. No, do it pisses me off the most is in the, the reddit post game thread like right after the game uh for the ohio state game i'm seeing these ohio state fans say some like like they're like t- they talk down on wisconsin fans like like we're like this 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 team that just like just needs their guide like as if these fans know the truth and they're like oh you know wisconsin that wasn't much no offense wisconsin that wasn't much of a trap game that I was promised it's like you you jerk like our guys played their absolute hearts out. Like I it, 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 and I know that's not a metric you can you can gauge, but Wisconsin like came out oh, they they tried to win that game and they gave it their damn all. Okay? But we got a bunch of 3-star guys while you have an entire roster of 5-stars. You literally have the highest blue chip ratio of any team in the entire nation, okay? Like it wasn't a coaching problem. It wasn't even so much as, like, an execution problem. It's a talent gap. There's a talent gap between our teams. That's why you won. Your receivers made the plays, okay? Your offensive line has enough depth to play a full four quarters. Ours doesn't, okay? And you you, you dummies on Reddit, like, like, just, like, acting like, uh, well, if Wisconsin, if you just try a little bit more, maybe one day you'll have a chance against us. Just shut up. You are not on the team. You aren't on the team, no, I, you didn't even go to the school. You bought the t-shirt from Walmart five years ago. Oh, oh my God.
1: God. I noticed that too. And it's like, we all gave a lot of effort, had a perfect game plan. I saw players making so much effort. It just literally amounted to, when I watched your receivers, yeah. they ha- are in, incapable of like, they're not athletic. They're not. They can't <laughs> angle their body towards the ball and twist and turn and make catches that like normal yeah. power five receivers can.
0: Yeah. And it's just the kind of thing. It's like, you know, God willing, if we just need Fickle to re- get a couple of good recruiting classes, get some guys, get some players, you know what I'm saying? And even the playing field a little bit more. And and then we'll have a chance. It's not a matter of will or something, right? Get out of here I think
1: my, my main point really was the fact that with the way they kind of act about these wins, it shows mm-hmm. a lack of appreciation yes. for the win itself. And oh, what it takes so to be much. this good to where you could even try to talk like that. Yeah,
0: uh, it... God, God, Bama, please destroy them in the playoffs. That's all I can say.
1: You have to really (sighs) mess up to make us the good guys. You do. You sure do. (laughs) All right. So we have the weekly Harbaugh update. (laughs) Uh, Good transition. Rumors are swirling that Michigan won't renew Harbaugh's contract. Is Harbaugh likely heading to the NFL? And if so, what team?
0: Yeah, I'd like to um, welcome him wholeheartedly to Green Bay, Wisconsin. As the next head coach of the Packers, um, what's wrong with the floor? Um, he's just he's it's clear that he doesn't have he he's not cut out to make it. I think I don't think he's the guy. Uh, I think at a minimum you can agree with me. Harbaugh's gone. One and two, he's going to the NFL. Is that fair to say? Are we on the same page, Randy?
1: I feel like that Michigan is stubborn enough to try to get him keep him.
0: But I've heard that the rumors are saying right hardball,
1: now. Hardball is stubborn enough to want to stay and be like, screw the NCAA.
0: I don't know. It's weird. It feels like the last few years he's been interviewing for different head coaching jobs, as we know. He's kind of flirted with the idea. I think it was like of the Bears and I, I want to see the Broncos head coaching position. So he's clearly interested. Didn't He He like interviewed with the Vikings, I think, uh, last year. He did.
1: And I think the, the story was he thought he was going to get the job, but just didn't or
0: something. That's you know, insane. He was planning to go. That's surprising. I, I I think pretty much any NFL team would hire him, despite all the baggage. The NFL doesn't care about scandals. We know this. Like there are much worse Is scandals. Is scandal that
1: can even be replicated in the, in the NFL either? Like yeah, exactly. They don't care.
0: If they let Urban Meyer coach the Jacksonville Jaguars, despite like an actual like in my mind much more serious scandal, like morally, <laughs> um, they're not going to care about this. Basically, um, so I I don't know. Like, do you think he's do you think he's gone overall? Yes, no. What's the vibe? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think
1: he's going to try to find a way to shield himself from all of this. And I feel like he and Michigan, their athletic department, is
0: stubborn enough to try to force the issue and ride this out. Should be interesting to see. I think, I mean, Michigan is really still in the spotlight this year, just overall. Like, they've, they've been the team to talk about week after week. And I, I fully expect that to continue into the playoff, into the postseason with all this Harbaugh news.
1: Exactly. Uh next we have Bye Bye Brian. Reports go. are surfacing that Brian Ferentz will be let go at the end of the season. Iowa's offensive coordinator. Of course. Who is notorious for being horrible. <laughs> um yeah. here's the thing. Yeah. He can be a great tight ends coach and he has been a great tight ends coach. He's produced him he was the tight ends coach for the Patriots in twenty eleven when they That's had true. Aaron Hernandez and Gronkowski. Ooh, yeah. And that was the Deadly Combo. Was the yeah. He was the first ever tight end to lead the NFL in touchdown receptions. First wow. ever tight end to do that, and that was with uh, Brian Ferentz's tight end, tight end coach. Yeah. And here's the thing: I feel like some coaches just kind of need to know their place and not try to, I guess, force their way up the ladder, so to speak. Sometimes right. you're just as hey, a tight end coach. Yeah. And honestly, I know he was Kirk's son, but <laughs> at some point, it's just it, it is literally cruel to put him out there and let him continue to embarrass himself this way, this <laughs> yeah. publicly. When the best thing for him to do is to take a step down, maybe learn a little bit more, and maybe try again in the
0: future. Try again somewhere else, I would say, too. Um, Because, yeah, I I, I agree with that. I think him stepping down to a positions coach is like a fair trade. He's still going to work with dad. You know, he's still going to be with the team, et cetera, right? Um, And that's not uncommon, right, in general, for, like, uh, position coaches and DCs to be kind of shifted around, right? I I get that this is a demotion overall, but – yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'll say this. If he really, like, genuinely wants to be a DC, just go somewhere else. And and, and put aside the nepotism for a moment, right? And, and, like, just try to actually prove yourself in a fair playing field. And if you fail, you fail. If you succeed, then, hey, you're, you're growing, you're improving. But it, it is wrong that he's there just because he's the son of <laughs> the coach, right? Like, yeah. it's such a bad look. <laughs> yeah. So Bye-bye, Brian. Didn't miss you. Bye-bye, Brian. All
1: right, next up, we have the mailbag segment. Mailbag. So this this week, we just basically said, ask us anything. We'll answer it, football-related or not. Most of it's (laughs) Um, (laughs) football-related. So we'll start with with Saxo Steve. What are your S-tier
0: CFB uniforms? I'm going to let you go first. I have so many thoughts on this. I was actually thinking about this on my drive home from work. So I'll I'll say this. I, I think it's easier to like think about this conference by conference, Randy. Um starting with one exception, Notre Dame, independent. Notre Dame has the best uniforms in all of college football. All of football for that matter. S tier. What do you think, Randy? Are they S tier?
1: Um yes, they are S tier. Um I'm gonna go with I have a theory I'm gonna present behind this too. Okay. I'm gonna go with Colorado's. No. And I have a theory Don't you that dare. the one of the big reasons that Dion went to Colorado is because they have cool uniforms and they're marketable.
0: I, I disagree. I think I put them like B tier if I'm being honest.
1: I love the black and the gold, especially this year. They have the
0: if you do the black on the black comments, it's really nice. So how about we just go? Let's let's go conference by conference. Um, I'll 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 start. I'll be biased and start in the Big Ten. I think the only S tier uniform in the Big Ten is Michigan. I think they're. I do like Michigan's. They're incredible. They they really are. I think Ohio State's A tier. Penn State's A tier, but not not quite S. I think they're the only S tier.
1: I'd put Penn State, Michigan, and I eh, Wisconsin's A tier. I'll, I'll put Penn it. State and Michigan as S tier.
0: Wow. Um, I, I'm I'm really honestly thankful that you would put us in A tier. I'd put us B tier if I'm being real. But it's uh, just too many red teams. I'm a little bit biased towards the uh, towards the primary color. That's true. That's true. Well, let's let's bring it over to the SEC then. I hate to say this, Randy. I don't think there are any S tier unis. Okay,
1: let me correct you here. But there's a lot of A's. S tier is gonna be S definitely gonna be LSU
0: and Alabama. I put them both. I, man, LSU to me is uh, like high A.
1: Especially the LSU home purples are really nice. They are.
0: They're close, but I, I. This is. I'm. I'm gonna sound like a hater. I don't really like the gimmick where they wear white for most games. I think the purples look so much better, and they're they're like limiting themselves by wearing white at home. I've noticed.
1: I've noticed that a lot of uh, NFL teams have started wearing white at home, especially yeah. early in the season. When that used to never be a thing, it used to only be Dallas that did that. It's I believe warmer, yeah,
0: yeah. Dallas does that generally, and yeah.
1: it makes sense to do it early in the season when it's hot, you know. But I hate to I hate to be, agree with you here, but just looking through the teams list, like mm-hmm. there's really not a lot of great SEC uniforms. There's,
0: there's a lot of good ones, I'd say. Like Ole Miss, I'd say like Ole Miss's throwbacks are probably S tier uh, when they wear the the powder blue. Um, like I think the SEC overall is very clean. There's not a lot of gimmicks in the SEC uniforms. They're all very just like traditional, safe, you know, in a good way. When it comes, when it comes to uniforms, the
1: SEC is the Big Twelve football of <sighs> uniform rankings, where they're all just kind of good, but nobody stands out. Well, right? let's
0: let's bring it to the Big Twelve then. Um, I'm I'm hesitant. I I don't think Texas is quite there, but they're close to being S tier. They're close. That might be a hot take. I know a lot of people hate Texas' uniforms, but I love them.
1: I'm going to say Texas and Oklahoma are S tier. I'm a little bit, you know, more charitable, I guess, than you are. Um, um that's,
0: that's what uh, I do kind of like TCUs. They're okay, but they have too many ults. Like, it's hard to say like, what even is TCUs primary uniform? Like what's the combo? I don't even know. They switch it up every, every Texas game.
1: Tech. Here's the thing about Texas tech. They have
0: so much potential with their uniforms, but they just it's make squandered. it a C tier. They really do. The Under Armour does them dirty. Under Armour does most teams dirty to be fair. Um, they really do. It's, it's a shame. Uh, let's head over to the ACC. In my mind, Florida State is tier. I think they're one of the best in the nation.
1: I really like North Carolinas. I know that they're Seriously. like pretentious. Yeah. I know that they literally have Argyle as one of their <laughs> yeah. like official patterns on their uniform. So I get that's a little pretentious. But I do like North Carolinas. I really like
0: Virginia Tech's home uniform. They're pretty good.
1: And I do like Florida State's.
0: Yeah. I, Clemsons and Miami's. Are, Clemson's are good, too. There's a lot of like good... Unis in the ACC, but the the ACC is also kind of guilty of, like, having a lot of alts and inconsistencies, I would say. Like, most of those teams we've mentioned are not afraid to, like, mix up the color combos every week, you know? Um, I know what you mean. Even Florida State's doing that now, and I don't like that. I don't like that. Like, they had this last weekend. They were wearing, like, all white. I don't know if you saw that. Like, Florida State's having, like, white helmets now. Just come on. Come on. Stick stick to the the, the gold helmet. I uh, like their
1: basic home unis that have like the little thing on the sleeve. Oh it's so good, dude. It's
0: so it good. It is so good. Yeah, okay. Then finally, Pac-12. Um I I'd say USC has some of the best unis. I put them S tier.
1: I'm gonna say Colorado's S tier, and I'm also gonna say sometimes Oregon
0: <laughs> so, they have so many combos eventually they're gonna get it right yeah <laughs> eventually they're gonna get it right and I'm also gonna put Stanford on there well those are good I'll say Stanford probably has I'm, again bias but like honestly they probably have the best red and white unis in my mind there's just something about it's so clean it's that Nike difference dude Nike it's they have the cleanest exactly no threat like frills it's kind of like Penn State you know it's like real simple good shade of red um Yeah, I like Stanford. What would
1: you say? Who is your, okay, out of all Power Five, whose uniforms would you say are the absolute best?
0: It's Notre Dame. And that's with Under Armour. Okay. I think if they had Nike, they would be undisputedly the best. Like, Nike would do them justice, dude. But to me, it's just, it's so good, dude. I love gold helmets. You can't stop me. I have to agree. Even all their alts are really good. Like, they just just have great uniforms. I, I disagree with that. This is where I differ. So Saxo Steve, I know you're a big uniform guy. I'd I'd be curious for your thoughts on the steves. Let me know at some point. But I miss, I don't know why they do it anymore. I miss when Notre Dame wore just the green jersey alternates. You know what I'm talking about? Like when they play USC. But like now when they do Shamrock Series, it's always this weird, like really tacky. Like they they go way too hard on like, I don't know. Like it's never just a green jersey. It's never just like a green color swap, right? Whereas I think if they had Nike, they would do that and it would look ab- like beyond S tier. I think it would be like the single best uni possible. So,
1: And I'm going to give a shout out to a group of five team whose uniforms I yes, really like. Sure. That they're kind of like the new style uniforms where there's a lot going on, okay. but I think they do it in the correct way. Yeah. I'm going to say San Diego State. Interesting. I like their helmets.
0: They're very unique. Uh, San
1: Diego State Aztecs. You can see the whole Aztec yeah, theme, yeah. Going, theme going on with their uniforms. <sighs> if but it's done in a tasteful
0: way. It is. It is. They rock the black and red really well. If I had to give a shout-out to a G5 team, it would probably be Tulane. They've got – they might be in your S tier. do. If I'm being honest. That's a great – dude, baby blue is, is so good <laughs> in sports. It's just – it's such a good color. We need more of it. Dude. And their combinations are also usually really good. They are. And the logo, obviously, amazing. The fighting wave, I mean – that's one of the best logos in college football in my mind. So I do
1: have to support a color themed uh, water based teams. so you know. We do.
0: We do. So yeah, Saxo Steve, great question. I would love to just do an I could do an entire episode on just uniforms. I love I love talking uniforms, dude. So happy to talk about that. All finally. right, next up
1: Next up, we have Banana Joe. What are your thoughts on Dion's statement about just going and getting new linemen if his aren't doing well? And in parentheses, he put, I hate Colorado.
0: And I, I hate Dion Sanders for this exact reason. This is, I, let's be real for a moment, folks. This is not something a coach should be shang- saying about his players. Not, not like this. It's, it's. I agree. Yeah.
1: It's. I kind of get the sentiment. Like every coach is there no every coach thinks this, but never says that. Like if right. you aren't doing your job, you're gonna get replaced. Right. That is how it is. But in public, the coach's job is to do to defend his players at yes. all costs.
0: Yes. It's about pushing them, like it's make them work harder. And what's interesting is I was actually thinking this last weekend um, there was an interview with Luke Fickle talking about our wide receivers in like a post game press conference and how they kept dropping balls, right? And he basically was going off about how like. You know, he's, like, in some way, he's, like, disappointed with the drops, but he also expects them to work harder. And, like, he's going to push them to work harder and, like, uh, learn and, and get better, right? Like, there's a way you can, like, answer that kind of question in a way that's not, like, humiliating them or, like, demoralizing them or implying they're worthless, right? And it's like, Dion just right. doesn't and, care and about and that. Right, and they just be thrown away. Right, and it's like, you literally, they're your guys. You are breaking about this... Louis, like luggage earlier. These are your guys. You chose them. But here's
1: the thing: is like as a college football coach, your number one priority. You're not an NFL coach where you just replace players that they're not up to par. Your job is to develop them. That is a huge part of coaching college football. Yeah, you are. You are responsible for the development. That is your responsibility. That's why coaches don't criticize them in public because ultimately, any criticism of a player yeah. is a criticism
0: of the coach. And exactly. I don't think Leon understands that. He doesn't. He just—it's—it makes no sense, dude. I—he—he uh, he can't get fired soon enough. They might finish four and eight, which would be real cool. But you look at Colorado's schedule, dude. They might lose out. And I don't know. I, I just—I I really don't think we should reward this kind of behavior. It's bad for the, like. It's honestly bad for the sport to have guys like this. In important positions of power, it just looks bad. It's like it really looks bad on the entire game.
1: And here's one one coach that I'm very familiar with that's known for going off about players mm-hmm. in press conferences is Nick Saban. But yeah. if you notice, he never does it in a way that singles out anybody. Right. Even when it's obvious who it is, he never singles them out, mm-hmm. and he always he never like threatens them or demeans them he's yeah. like if you're not doing it right i'm gonna call you out and i'm not letting you get away with not doing your job correctly right and if you're not doing your job correctly and you're gonna pout you're gonna be in my doghouse like that's right. just how it is he does it in he a way to motivate very clear them.
0: expectations but it's in a way that's he, he, like yeah he wants them. To his learn.
1: expectations aren't based his expectations and how he treats players aren't necessarily <clears throat> based off how they perform in game right as they are how are they preparing in practice Right, right. The mentality, the consistency. And that's why Jalen Milrow that's why Jalen Milrow got the start. If you notice, there was like a big rumor flooring around mm. that the week leading up to the USF game after the Texas game, Jalen Milrow, mm. Milrow did not handle the practice wells practices well. He didn't want to answer why he didn't make certain reads. He just pouted about it, this and that. Yeah. And so Saban basically gave him a suspension without announcing anything. Right. And then whenever he was asked about it, like, so are those rumors true? What's going on? And he just straight up deflected and said, well, I promise both of those other guys playing time in the season. So it had, that's all it is. It has <laughs> nothing to do with Jalen Milroe, yeah. And that's in a way confirming the rumor, mm-hmm. if you kind of read between the lines. But right, like right. he defended his player.
0: Exactly. It's, it's about defending your guys at the end of the day and caring about them and wanting them to succeed, not just giving up the moment they like struggle. Right. So. Not threatening the moment they struggle. And again, <laughs> right.
1: as a college football coach, any criticism of the player is a criticism of you because it's your, it's your exactly. job to develop them. Exactly.
0: Good question, Bonanjo All
1: right, from DK. If Michael Penix plays like he did against Oregon the rest of the year, do you think he can be a top 10 pick in April? <sighs> yes.
0: Really? I, I'd say not top 10. I think he'll be a top 10. Two round draft guy, but I don't, I don't see him being top ten. If I'm being real, what do you think I, makes him a top ten pick?
1: He's got like all the, you know how NFL scouts are. He's got the size, the measurables. <laughs> he's got a big arm. He's got all the like camp stuff, all the combine stats that mm. they're gonna love as well as just like a high touchdown to interception ratio
0: i guess i don't know i it's it's always so hard to make heads or tails of quarterbacks in you know heading into the nfl like this um to me you said he has the size i guess i don't quite see him as like uh maybe just the game's getting too big and too fast he's six foot three yet to me that's not even that big am i am i just like delusional am i am i wrong in this if you
1: look, I mean, Jalen Milrow is, what, 6'2", 215? He's the but he's, same But he just looks height. bigger, though. I don't
0: know how to describe it. Like, Jalen Milrow looks bulky, whereas, like, Michael Penix, to me, is just still this, like, frail kid from Indiana. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, like, I'm going too hard on him. <laughs> but I mean, he's, if you watch him run, he's very tough. If you remember, he got that really tough
1: diving <laughs> two-point conversion. That's true. In 2020 as the Indiana quarterback. I mean, he's just got basically those measurables that NFL scouts love. Yeah. Should be interesting.
0: I Top 10, though, we'll, we'll have to see. I think there's, there's enough good we'll quarterbacks this year with Caleb Williams, obviously. I think Drake may will go before him. Even even if he should or not, is, is up for another debate. But I think Drake may will go before him. It's really a matter of how many teams in the NFL need a new quarterback. So, we'll have
1: to see. That is true. I don't know, you know what that kind of looks like. I don't think a lot need a new quarterback. That's also another problem.
0: I could go for one right by now. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes.
1: <laughs> All right. We won't go into Jordan Love on this. No, um, no. From next, from Bama side up, should we expect a weekly gym podcast even after the end of college football season? Not weekly, we've but uh, we have we've we've
0: talked. talked about
1: this. What well, we want to do, maybe at least once a month during the off season. Just I, think kinda...
0: it, I think it'd be fun to at least try out, and because the, the problem is, of course, like you know, in the off season, like nothing happens. Um, for the most part. But then every now and then there's like a day where like a million things happen. Right. It very much comes and goes and like waves as far as news goes. So I'll say this. I think if we had like an off season episode or like a recurring type episode, it would be something like kind of like that question. or Steve asked for like, there'd be a, a very broad topic. Like what are the best unis in college football? And we would just like chop it up for like an hour. Like, a really in-depth conversation about something that's not, like, related necessarily to, like, a particular season or a week, but, like, just, like, a broader topic in college football. So... I don't know, Randy. Right? What do you right. think? Should we, we'll, we'll keep it on the. I radar. like the
1: idea. I think. I mean, we can make it semi-regular. It doesn't have to be weekly, but yeah. something like cover off-season drama, especially. Yeah. I just feel like this off-season, more crap is going to hit the fan. <laughs> I'm sure. So yeah. Like realignment's kind of settled, but like there's a lot of.
0: There's going to be things. There's always things you can expect to be expected. So we'll we'll keep you guys posted. I appreciate the uh, interest, shall we say, in such a thing.
1: All
0: right. Next up, we have from X.
1: How have you guys been? I hope 2023 has been good for you. Thank you. Uh, we'll let nice. you go first. Yeah,
0: um, it's been pretty good. I'd say very busy. Um, we finally bought a house, as many of you know, after trying for nine months. Uh, the, the economy is terrible. The housing market's worse. Um, so really, this entire year has just been like house hunting, moving, and now just like moving in and settling, I would say. Um, very hectic, but also very fun, I guess, <laughs> is, is how I would sum up my entire year. My year's been very busy as well,
1: you know. Obviously I finished up the uh, Georgia Tech course and now I'm actually getting my full masters at a different university, yeah, in software development. So I'm kind of I'm working on that having to work to and, you know, we also have our house situation that we're mm-hmm. um, we're buying it in March, March, April-ish, that kind of time frame mm-hmm. where it's like, a, it's a family house that's passed down that my uncle passed away, so they're selling the house to us. Mm-hmm. So we're having to do a lot to get ready for that situation because we're having to, like, make some repairs. Yeah. Honestly, it's most of my parents that are doing the repairs, so I'm <laughs> helping
0: here and there. Shouts out.
1: <laughs> no, I, I have offered to help them, and I have tried to help them, but every time they... They're just like they're kind. really good at the whole
0: uh DIY yeah. kind of thing. I don't know. They just have a talent for it. It's it's that Southern hospitality, dude. Taking care of you. But yeah, I'd say for both of us, very busy mm-hmm. year. Busy year. Let's hope twenty twenty four is easier. Let's hope it's just like chill. That'd be fun. That'd be fun.
1: Yep. Okay, Bro Down sixty four. Worst college football stadium you've been to slash know about. That's a great question. Let's yeah. start with I'll start with been to So – I'm going to let you go i I've
0: only been to technically three college stadiums in my life. Uh, Obviously, Wisconsin. I've been to Michigan Stadium and the Rose Bowl. But I'd say the – so, like, all three of those stadiums are kind of the exact same in that they're all made of concrete and 100 years old and have, like, steel benches. And I think a lot of people would hate that, but I think they're charming because of that. Um, The worst stadium, though, I'll say I've been to, and this is not biased, the worst stadium I've ever been to is Soldier Field. No doubt in my mind. Really? And I can tell you why really. look quick. at the pictures of it, though. No, no, the no. The pictures have it look great. Here's the thing. No, it... it so, Soldier Field is just like... <clears throat> I think it's like a, it's like a 100-year-old stadium, right? Which is fine. Which is actually cool. And there's some cool, like, old Greek architecture-type, you know, columns um, around on the outside of it. If you look at pictures of old Soldier Field, it looks like a really cool stadium. But what they did, I think in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, was did that thing where they, like, planted, like, a new layer... Over all of it and it looks like a ufo kind of <clears throat> um it looks ridiculous it's this terrible mismatch of like pseudo modern-y type aesthetic with like this really old classical architecture style and it just it just it, it's a disaster dude like you have to take my word for it it's it's really trashy i would say more than anything
1: interesting okay i'll take your word on that i don't know if you're biased because no, 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 you know, bias. The no, no bias at all does it does it need to be like a current college football stadium or can it be a former, I think former one that's works. no longer in use? What are you talking about, of course, here? Legion Field. Wow, it is so bad. UAB used to play there. They I'm thankfully got their own new stadium. Um, yeah, so like part of the upper deck, you can't you can't even use the upper deck in it because it's been I don't know what the, the construction word is <laughs> condemned. Condemned. So it's unsafe to go in. Oh, no. So you can only use the lower deck, and it's really old. It's really dirty. Yeah. Uh, it's just concrete everywhere. It's not aesthetically pleasing in any manner.
0: I'll be real. Um, this looks like Camp Randall. If, if I'm being honest. Um, every college stadium I've been to is like this. I don't know how Brian Denny is, but...
1: I Brian think... Denny is like a Taj Mahal, to be honest. Okay, Brian okay. Denny is very nice.
0: You got the money. Like,
1: it's, we got the money. If you look at like the outside of Brian Denny, it looks like a freaking <laughs> coliseum. Like... It just looks nice and fancy and expensive. I
0: think the thing is a lot of these, like, a lot of Big Ten schools, at least, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, like, their their stadiums are, like, 100 years old, right? And they're, like, old enough to where, like, they're historic and they're, like, historic enough, like, to where you, you couldn't tear them down and build something new, right? And that's especially true at the Rose Bowl, actually. Rose Bowl is the favorite stadium I've ever been to, but I I understand that from, like, an objective standpoint, it's, like, a dump. It's literally just concrete. Like, the, the, they don't have bathrooms inside the Rose Bowl. I don't think people don't like this. It doesn't help this. that
1: the area, the area yeah. right around Legion Field, is as bad as advertised. It's a, it's not so safe area, and it's just mm-hmm. a bunch of like, almost like turn, <laughs> dilapidated project housing. Right, right. Like it's really bad.
0: But I, for me though, like these concrete stadiums with like benches and just kind of real raggedy. I, to me, I don't know, man. I, I find it charming. I, I get that it's not luxury or anything. But it to me, it's like it's football. But that's what know,
1: I like right? about Brian Denny is that it has those like normal bleacher seats. It's like the uh-huh. historic with updated kind of. Look at the picture I just sent. Is it like kind of what I'm talking is about? Is like
0: Lambeau Field where it's like classic but also like has modern amenities?
1: Yes, that's pretty much what it's like. Okay, and especially like the entrance way is just beautiful.
0: Oh yeah, it yeah. looks. See, looks no, – not this, modern. No, no, no. This is exactly it, dude. Because like lambo field did it a fantastic job they renovated it in like the early 2000s uh but they, they, it was very classy it's very like timeless you know they added like brick to the outside it's not trying to be super modern like soldier field was in 2000 and looks tacky now right i think just in general stadiums are better off going for a more classic approach because let, like let's face it dude like all these new stadiums, like the Chargers' new stadium and like the new Las Vegas stadium, they're gonna look tacky in ten years. They are. They really are. Whereas, like Brian Denny, like I have to admit, it, like it's always gonna look good, right? It'll never go out of style, right? And if it does, I don't want to. I don't, don't want to live in that world. <laughs> so
1: exactly, I think you can't go wrong with the brick. And you I'm can't. looking at the Chargers' new stadium, and yeah. I don't see a single brick in For, sight. Where are the bricks? Is it literally just made of glass? I think so.
0: I, God, yeah I, I know
1: the I know. stadium's just not it's like a cool like art design it's not but, football
0: though it's not football
1: but it's not football it just doesn't feel right it does and i feel like you can tell it's gonna no longer be cool once the coolness factor wears off
0: in 10 years because yeah. it's
1: no longer the new yeah. thing then i mean what do you have
0: well it's it's like every stadium built in like the 90s and the early 2000s i'm thinking like the Panthers stadium i can't remember what it's called uh it just looks it's just it's just something off about it man i don't know the Raiders' new stadium also kind of suffers from that a little bit. I don't, I don't think it looks good now. I honestly don't buy the hype of the Raiders' new stadium. I'll say it, dude. I blame I blame uh, Jerry World, which I've been to. I've, I've been to the Cowboys Stadium, and like, like Jerry World still looks
1: nice. Like they do, like the audacious, they do. like way too big for itself
0: thing correctly. It makes sense in the context of Dallas. It makes sense in the context of the Cowboys, right? It doesn't make sense for uh, the everyone. The concept
1: though. of the state of Texas.
0: Right, right. Bigger, etc. But I, I will say being there, there's something about Jerry World where it just, because the dome is so big, it just, it, this is a problem with domes in general, is it just feels like empty in a way. It feels very like, it's like this, this void, I guess, that you don't feel when you're in an open air stadium. It's hard to describe, dude but it's, I know it's, what you it's, mean. A, it's a vibe. I, you. It's a vibe. Something's off, <laughs> is what I would say.
1: <laughs> Good question, bro. All right, next. Next we have from The Clan. Of course. Uh, what players, past the present, positively or negatively, <sighs> were you the most wrong
0: about? I thought about this all, throughout the entire day, and I realized I remember making a bet with one of my friends back in college um, shortly after Clemson beat you guys in the national championship, not to open up any wounds or anything. I bet him that Deshaun Watson would win the Super Bowl within his first three years of being in the NFL and was a future Hall of Famer. Uh, This is before the allegations, before he was exposed as a terrible person, (laughs) but I was like an insane Deshaun Watson fanboy um, thinking he was going to be like the next GOAT of the NFL. And, uh, well, we all know how that turned out. I'm going to say, I think this answer is going to surprise
1: a lot of people and I'm going to explain why, but I'm going to say I was most wrong about Tua because I remember when he first committed to us it was like why is this five-star quarterback from Hawaii committing to Alabama when Jalen Hurts is a true freshman and got all those starts and you know looked fine just needed to improve a couple things he's never going to get to play and you have to remember this was before Alabama was known for for quarterbacks every quarterback before Jalen Hurts was just undrafted or seventh round pick or whatever, you know. Yeah. We didn't, we weren't known for our quarterback play at that time. So for a five star quarterback to want to come into Alabama,
0: it's like <laughs> little, what's wrong little old Bama. Yeah, that's that's wow, crazy.
1: Um, oh come on, but you know it's true. We did not have any quarterbacks before then. So whenever uh, a five star one legitimately wants to commit, that's all the way from Hawaii. It's like there's red flags raised, and a lot of neutral red fans place. had the same opinion where they were just like, why is he committing there?
0: Um, Nick Saban. That's why. But yeah, I mean, think he say, made a good decision. I'd say two is working out doing pretty well in the NFL so far. So just gotta avoid injuries and he'll be he'll have a good career.
1: I think he's gotten better at that. I've watched a lot of Dolphins games this year and he mm. seems to know when to throw it away. He doesn't take stupid hits. He's gotten yeah. a lot better. Part of it the offense is jelling a little better too. Yeah. So yeah. I think he's I think they're doing I think the Dolphins are probably one of the best teams in the yeah, AFC, yeah, right? Like, probably, yeah. Probably top three, top four in the AFC.
0: So there you go.
1: All right. right. From Lobro, if you could change one moment in college football Uh, history, what would it be? I already know what it is for you. What what do you want to guess? Tell me. That
0: Ohio State player does
1: not rip
0: up the turf in the Big Ten Championship game of 2017. That would be up there. I was going to say also, I think it was Ohio State. There was a Michigan State. I can't remember which one. Uh, 2010, we lost two games that year, both by Hail Mary's if we had won if mm. if one of those hadn't gone that way there's a non-zero chance we would be competing for the national title we were like we were really good 2010 2011ish um so i'd probably pick that but yeah turf guy that did change the course of that season which wisconsin was also pretty good so either way ohio state i'd say <laughs> and for you Randy. i'm just saying i'm saying there's like it's crazy that th- that this has happened to
1: Wisconsin three times yeah. in the past decade, mm-hmm. where you just straight up were one play away yep. from a national it's, championship game. It's your
0: life, dude. It's life. I'm even
1: seeing the 2010 season. You beat Ohio State, number one Ohio State, 31 to 18.
0: Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. So that told Zane. Who's that? Okay. Uh, former uh, Wisconsin quarterback, uh, Green Bay Packers quarterback. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. If I had to take if I had to change one moment, it would definitely be the kick six. Of course, we all know. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> definitely the kick six. That's an easy one because that kept us out of the National Championship game. We would have yeah. been the only team ever to three-peat you, in the modern you're era. You're assuming you
0: would have beaten Florida State.
1: Let's just assume we would have. Come
0: on. It would have been you probably. Florida State played kind of bad in that National Championship, if you recall. They like barely beat Auburn who was kind of fraudulent. So, yeah, I don't know. Probably. Probably. All right, last question. Read it off, Randy.
1: Meme question from, from Larry. Larry. Yeah. Meme question. Is Dabo Swinney next up for the Texas A&M job? Serious question. Oh, no. The meme question wasn't ironic enough.
0: You know, here's the thing. There's, there's two parts to this question. There's actually three. One aspect is Jimbo Fisher being let go to, at A&M, which I think probably will happen. The second part is Dabo Sweeney leaving Clemson, which could happen, and the third piece of the puzzle is, of course, Dabo going to Texas A&M. I'll say this: if the stars align, where Jimbo Fisher is fired in one year and Dabo Sweeney says he's had enough of Clemson, he's off the bandwagon, then actually, I think it checks out that he would go to A&M. So, there's a non-zero chance. Larry. I don't think he does that. Non-zero I think zero chance. Got a good thing going. Eh,
1: I think it's a pretty zero chance. The thing about is that they have a pretty favorable. Davos got all like the resources of an SEC school with an ACC schedule. That, he would be stupid to give that up. I know he's kind of struggled
0: this year to say it's the very least. Very But imagine if he had
1: this year's team and this year's performance with an SEC West schedule. I mean, I like, I, I, I get what would... you're saying. He'll have a he a lot. would look like Jimbo does at a And That's what that's I'm true. saying. That's true.
0: He would have an easier time recruiting at a And M, as we know. I mean, they can just pay for classes, so that's that's easy enough, right? But. Even then, I mean, like they're very talented now. Like Cade Klubnik is like a five-star quarterback, and he's looked pedestrian throughout the season. They're
1: t- they're a top-five talent composite. They yeah. talent's not really their thing. They don't need so, to worry about that. I I just they feel like as
0: as Dabo goes. just needs same with Jimbo. Both Dabo and Jimbo just need to get with the times, man. Like do something different. It's not working. <laughs> like it's very clearly not working anymore for either of these guys. So I don't know. We'll see, Larry. Yeah. I'll, I'll say ten percent chance. Be generous.
1: I'm going to say 1%. 1%. <laughs> all <or> 1%. right, all right. <laughs> all right, moving on to the Week 10 Let's get preview. Going.
0: Got some good games coming up here.
1: All right. Number 25 at Kansas State at number 7, Texas. Can Malik Murphy keep Texas's dream season alive?
0: I think so. I think they're going to be tested against Kansas State. Kansas State is 6-2. I don't think a lot of people are talking about them right now, but they're a decent enough team uh, this being at Texas, though, definitely plays in their favor, and I think I think it'll be a tough battle, but one that the Longhorns prevail in.
1: Kansas has Kansas State has quietly had two really great games in a row 41-0 yep. versus houston 41-3 versus tcu they have they did lose to oklahoma state who's kind of found their footing but missouri um, to oklahoma state now yeah. and their only other loss was to missouri who's actually really good they control their own destiny on the CD. road yeah, yeah 30 to 27 close loss, and they control their own destiny in the sec mm-hmm. kansas state was big 12 champions last year i know mm-hmm. they you know lost some players they no longer have deuce vaughn whatever
0: right um Thing is, but Texas, they are a
1: really good team.
0: Texas took down a decent BYU last week, thirty-five to six. Uh, if you look at Malik Murphy's stats here, he went sixteen for twenty-five, one hundred and seventy yards, two TDs, one ninety. For a debut, that's not bad. I think even those numbers would probably they'd probably win you against uh, Kansas State. So I think for him, he's just got to avoid making big mistakes, avoid turning the ball over too much, and I think Texas has enough talent to that they can they can pull through with this one.
1: I think so, too. I think Texas will also take the game very seriously. Oh, yeah. More so than with our games that were a little closer. I think they just kind of overlooked the opponent. They're at a
0: point now where, like, this is really their last test. After this, they've got at TCU, at Iowa State, and against Texas Tech. Those are all pretty much guaranteed wins. So, like, if they can win this game, there's a really good chance they they make the Big 12 uh, championship and put themselves in a position to maybe make the playoffs. So, it's do or die time, dude. I believe in them. Absolutely. Next up, we have Texas A&M
1: at one last number 11 Ole Miss. Obligatory. Is this the game that gets Jimbo Fisher fired? I'm going to say no to that, but I did see a hilarious Jimbo Fisher quote where he said yeah. his goal for the season is to get Texas A&M bowl eligible. It's so dumb.
0: It's so stupid, dude. Like
1: I know what he means. I get what he's trying to say because they have five wins right now yeah. and their next game is Ole Miss.
0: But, no, like, that should be the absolute bare minimum. And they're going to. I mean, like, they still play an FCS team, like Albion Christian or something like that. Like, they're going to get six wins. They're making a bowl game, right? But, no, like, you're right. still in a position, like, you're obviously not making the playoffs. You're obviously probably not making a New York six. But, like, you're still in a position where, like, you got you, you got to try to win, man. You got to try to, like, win out and go nine and three and get some momentum for next year. I I, I think A&M are are rightfully upset because it just feels like Jimbo ever since he's arrived has been kind of okay with being mediocre and like that's not what you were hired here for man like this is a hundred million dollars like you're supposed to be great not even good but like great and he hasn't
1: been I get I get that there are three losses after three very 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 good teams but you get paid a hundred million dollars to win
0: these games exactly Exactly. You shouldn't yeah, they go still,
1: in. they mean it's at Ole Miss. They still have at Ole
0: Miss is LSU. good. But, yeah, like, you, you should be more confident in your own team, I think. <laughs> I could guys.
1: very much, weirdly enough, I could very much see A&M winning that game. I don't know why. I just, I could see it.
0: I could see Ole Miss losing that game more than A&M winning that game. <laughs> if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, that does make a lot of sense, actually.
0: <laughs> they just come out flat every now and then. And, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. All
1: right. i think what's gonna i think well i did want to make the point is texas a&m again has all that talent on paper they if that they can do. travel with them their if their defense can travel with them then i think they'll be fine by, by all accounts,
0: they can win this game
1: right i there. feel like they have the type of defense that can shut down Ole Miss's offense
0: yeah i i could see that i mean Ole miss seems like a very like uh you know sink or swim kind of team like if they get a couple of three and outs early on and kind of startle them a little bit i could see in um kind of getting a good enough lead to carry them through to the fourth quarter.
1: Also, Ole Miss does play at Georgia the
0: next week. Looking ahead,
1: maybe. I don't know if that's going to affect the game at all, if they're going to kind of like have that in the back of their mind. You really can't, but... It, it
0: probably is, though. It's it's hard not to, <laughs> certainly,
1: right? All right. Next up, we have number 14, Missouri, at number one, Georgia. We know that Georgia is fraud... Jimbo wrote this, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> we know that Georgia is fraudulent, Can Missouri exploit this? Probably
0: not, but go ahead. Uh, Well, I mean, it seems like week after week, you know, we're like, is is this the game where Georgia gets exposed, and it hasn't happened yet. They're
1: not going to. They're not going to until the playoffs, if they do. I
0: don't, dude, but here's the thing. Missouri's probably the best team they'll have faced so far this season, which is crazy to think about, but, like, Missouri, dude, Missouri, like, I don't think people realize this, Missouri controls their own destiny in the SEC East. If Missouri wins out, well, you're an SEC diehard, but, like, if Missouri wins this game, they're in, like, a really good position to like, literally win the SEC East and keep Georgia out of the playoffs. So, to them, like, this is their Super Bowl, dude. Like, this is literally it. They need to win this game. So, sadly, this is at Georgia. I, I think it's one of those things, again, if this was at Missouri, it might be different. If you recall last year, dude, Missouri actually came very close to being Georgia. I'm just saying. Like...
1: Did they? Let me. Let me check that. Remember that
0: game last year? It was it, Georgia did the last minute like comeback on the road. Um, last... Oh,
1: I do remember that yeah. game. That is right because we were all clowning Georgia we for it because that we was were. when Missouri was a six and six team. I do remember that when Georgia had that rough stretch yeah. where they like yeah. barely even beat Kent State or whatever. People don't and realize they're winning dude, about 10 late into the fourth quarter. Okay.
0: I, I'm serious. You look at like, you, honestly, dude, like Missouri, like they've had kind of a tough schedule so far this year. Um, again, wins over Kansas state over Kentucky. Uh, they just had a pretty solid win against South Carolina and their quarterback, Brady cook is, is, is high key having like a really good year. He's got 15 touchdowns, only three interceptions, uh, almost a 70% completion uh, percentage. So like, He's got the skill set, I think, to to at least make some noise against this tough Georgia defense. Um, I'll, I'll say this is my lock of the week. Missouri is going to beat Georgia. I know it's like the fourth time I've I've called no, my lock you're of the not week. They're not going to no, happen, dude. But I'm it, ha- when it, I like it it's going to happen, and when it does happen, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you so. I'm gonna tell you so. I hope that happens, but it's not going to. <laughs>
1: Here's the thing. It's just Georgia just knows how to make the game dirty in the dirty. trenches. They know how to control the pace of the game and control how the game is played. They never fully let the game get away from them, ever. <laughs> Even if they're like losing and need to come back, they're always like in control of the pace of the game. Mm-hmm. They just need to finally put it all together kind of thing. Um, I think Georgia is just going to... This is going to be one of those Georgia games where it's boring, but they come out and win in the end due to physicality and everything. It's just going to kind of pay off. Can you at and least, you have to remember, yeah. Georgia is very aware of how much this game means to Missouri and what it means if they mm-hmm. lose. Can you at They're least, going to be ready. They're not going to be overlooking, you know, looking ahead to Ole Miss or anything.
0: Can you at least concede that this could be an Auburn-type game where they come or Georgia comes out flat and lets the little guy hang in there way too late? And even if Georgia wins, it'll be a close ish game. Don't you don't even see that. They okay. only
1: do that versus they only do that versus like bad teams. <laughs> Whenever it true. comes to like a one loss SEC East contender, they always beat the crap out of them by like four touchdowns. Hmm. And then everybody's like, well next week Georgia will get exposed. And like y'all just have to be patient with it. Just be patient. Trust the process. Okay.
0: All right.
1: Trust the process. I'm still believing though. Next I'm
0: gonna
1: my log. <laughs> okay. Next up we have number thirteen LSU at number eight Alabama. <laughs> Read the, read the note. Read the note. Again, he wrote this. We know that Alabama is fraudulent. Can LSU exploit this?
0: You have to admit, dude, I think if there's one team, one SEC team on the schedule this year that can beat Bama, it's this game. I mean, this is LSU's Super Bowl. If you recall, they're in a position where if they went out, they would win the SEC West. So... I don't know. What's the feeling in Alabama Nation this week? Are you scared at all, or is this a revenge game well, from last year? Well, of course year?
1: we're scared. We're cautiously optimistic. I think that's the best way to describe our fan base. We like the improvement we've seen on our team. Mm-hmm. We like some of these performances. There's obviously a lot to clean up, and then we're not as good as some past Bama teams. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the players kind of, like, understand what it takes i right. mean just week to week to prepare um i very much like, like our chances at, in this game coming off a of bye week at home yeah. just those two factors alone even in a completely perfectly even matchup i like that
0: mm-hmm.
1: um i'm hoping big game brian kelly can kind <laughs> of blow one <laughs> well
0: that's the thing i the thing is Jaden daniels is like very quietly in my mind having like an insanely good year Like, maybe not... Already has 25 touchdowns. Like, I I, I think he should be at least in the Heisman conversation. I mean, certainly if he wins this game, he would be. Uh, But yeah, 25 touchdowns, three interceptions, uh, 73% completion uh, percentage, a rating of 204.3. I mean, the thing is, with with this game, it's the kind of game where, like, LSU can beat Bama if Jaden Daniels just, like, pops off and just, like, you know, airs it out. It's going to be a very, like, sink or swim type of environment, Right. I think big game Brian Kelly needs to allow him to cook, but the question is, will he? And I think the answer is that Brian Kelly historically historically, is pretty bad in these kinds of games, especially on the road. So I don't know, man. I think Bama probably squeaks this one by with a win.
1: Their offense is really, really, really good, mm-hmm. but their defense is very suspect. And, and I sus. think that can, yeah. Like, it's crazy just looking at LSU's scores. Like, yeah. we had the same score differential you know, at Mississippi State, and versus Arkansas, mm-hmm. we both had that Mississippi State game away. We both had the Arkansas game at home. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just kind of crazy how weirdly they. Let, I don't want to say
0: evenly matched up we are, but yeah. the thing is, no, I agree with their defense. Their defense is like really, like honestly, quite bad. Looking like back, like I just we need to have an offense that can actually take advantage of that. Right. Well, they let Ole Miss score fifty-five. Florida State score 45 Missouri who they beat they still let Missouri score 39 and like I get that these are all good teams but like Bama's a good team too like it's not of the question that like Bama could literally put up 50 points in this game like I I, honestly, I wouldn't say that I could though like honestly but, like it's not it wouldn't be on I mean, how, how
1: much do you think Alabama needs to put up to comfortably say oh yeah they won I'd say 45 and I think they can. I would say less than that. I think our defense is good enough. I think it's gonna be a lower score yeah, than that. I don't know. it depends on how the game 34. plays.
0: It depends on how like the coaches scheme this. Because I, I if Brian Kelly is a smart coach, he's gonna go all in just trying to like be you know, fast, you know, score early, score often kind of a thing. He's gonna take a lot of risks.
1: That's um, and that's what a lot of teams do versus us, is they try to score fast and hurry and try yeah. to put us behind. Right. And in some situations this work. Like Tennessee was able to put us behind early, Tennessee yeah. A and M was. Yeah um even Ole miss was to an extent and like Mm. while it kind of works because like it takes us a while to figure out our offense right it takes us a good freaking seven drives to figure out our offense yeah um when we get behind they want to put that pressure on us and it kind of does work but no matter what we've always been able to settle in Mm -hmm. you know eventually our defense also settles in obviously once they no longer have the gimmick kind of big plays that they're trying once we kind of settle into the game we can kind of formulate a plan to get ahead and stay ahead
0: yeah i it, it'll be it'll be a fun one to watch for sure this is at night right yeah this is pretty late yes, 6 you're going i'm assuming uh yes okay Send me we'll see how the tickets,
1: ticket situation goes oh, okay. we're just gonna see how that works right. out
0: so you know i'll be at a wedding folks fall wedding oh, uh, probably checking the scores on my phone the whole time so pray for me uh, but yeah. <laughs> In fact I'm gonna miss all these games. I'm realizing now I'm not gonna watch any of these games this weekend. I'm really buffed.
1: <laughs> you can watch college football final, you can you can watch some highlights, kinda of catch yeah, up.
0: Yeah, I'll be I'll be I'll be keeping track of my phone.
1: All right. Next up we have uh number five Washington undefeated at number twenty four USC. Which team is the more fraudulent?
0: Honestly, you already said your lock, and I'm kind of. I thought about it. I've let it simmer. I kind of agree. I think Washington, they're really good, but like, there's just some about it, man. They, it feels like they've been they've kind of. They've had some very suspect performances. Yeah, it, too many. Like one's a mulligan, right? But back to back, sus performances. I just don't buy it. Like not out of a playoff caliber team this late in the year. Like this late in the year, it should be the opposite, right? They should be like really kicking into the high gear and. Scoring a lot of points and winning comfortably, but it's not been that, and it's gonna be a tough game at USC, who still controls their own destiny in the pack. So, I I kind of like your pick, dude. I, I think USC is gonna pull ahead and win this one.
1: I just wonder how much USC's team has checked out, given you know their situation. I don't know if like Lincoln Riley teams are the mentally tough coach teams that like
0: dig in. Right. And, go, and that's the one concern I would have. They were really sus last week against Cal, if you recall. We didn't talk about it, but they only they won fifty to forty nine. <laughs> that's just ridiculous. Yeah. That's insane. That's yeah. that's so. But the thing is, I could see them winning this game fifty to forty nine. You know, I could. This is probably gonna be a shootout for sure, right? Like, it'll be a high scoring affair that just kind of comes down to who has the ball last, sort of a thing, right? So, I yeah. don't know. I don't know. Let's see how Washington does under pressure. Um, any other games this week than Randy you wanted to talk about? I believe that is all that I have. Did you have any others? No, I think that's... Well, actually, there's one we didn't talk about, and I think about it. Uh, number 12, Notre Dame at Clemson. Um, Ooh. I, I, real quick, look at Clemson's schedule. Is there a chance that they miss a bowl game this year? Like, let's be real for a moment here. They're 4-4 four and four right now. They play mm. Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, and South Carolina. I could see three losses out of that out of that stretch.
1: I could see three losses. You have to tough. remember Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is the weirdest team in they football. Are. They beat North Carolina, <laughs> beat
0: Miami, lost to Bowling Green. <laughs> it makes no sense. So, I mean, all of the, like all of those games are losable for Clemson, who is frankly looked pretty poor at this point of the season. Clemson's lost two. They're probably going to lose to Notre Dame, I imagine by quite a bit if I'm being real. Um yeah, I I would like to see the wheels totally come off the car for for Clemson this year. I, I th- it'd be really fun to watch them have a losing season. So
1: I think that's what would have to happen for Dava to accept that he needs to change some things and not right. try to keep forcing it. Right, because if they,
0: they win out and go like eight and four and like you know win their bowl game or something, finish nine and four. That's that's just good enough for him to be like, well, we won out because we bought into God's name, image and likeness, and we're gonna keep doing our thing. And you know what I mean. He needs to be like really. Yeah. He needs to really suffer to, to change things up. I think.
1: And here's the thing: like, I kind of understand what he's saying, but you can. You don't have to be so Spartan about how you treat these situations with right. the transfer portal so and transfers and everything. Do it like I'm I hate to say it but I like the way Georgia does it <laughs> where they have maybe a turnover of 5 or 6 total roster spots per season right. due to the portal. All of their starters are Georgia players that committed to Georgia in the first place and are full-time Georgia players. Right. They're only one that kind of play without it with that was the portal player was a tight end and they only played because Brock that was hurt. right you so. gets more depth
0: right kind of a thing um yeah I mean you can so you there's can, a right way to go
1: about it you don't have to be completely I can never
0: exactly exactly and I mean like every like literally everyone uses it to some extent at this point except Clemson and so I mean you're seeing what happens <laughs> as a result
1: exactly so
0: That'll be a fun one. I'll be sure to keep track of it on my phone when I'm at the wedding. Um, But until then, folks, thank you again for the mailbag questions. It was really fun. That was some fun conversations we had, uh, thanks to you. And uh, Randy, have fun at the game. Have fun at the game this weekend. I'm sure you will. Uh, And until next time, folks, as always, roll time.